Namaste. So while we settle down and we enter into the holiest of holy, Sri Aravind Upanishad, I just want to share certain things. Um, one is that uh, spiritual teaching is transmitted. It's not really analyzed and understood. So there is no need to really take down notes. <laughs> they may interfere with the concentration. Rather we should bathe in that atmosphere. When we bathe in that atmosphere, we ourselves feel our minds are lifted and transported to a region where, as the Upanishad says, their speech reaches not, the word falls silent and knowledge itself rests in a blissful humility. That's where Shirobindo is taking us. And the whole purpose of yoga is to reach there. Words are a help, but words can also be a hindrance. Words are a help when we go behind the word to the sound, to the substance, what is within it. We know that in our human life also, words can be a, a wonderful instrument to bridge a gap between two people, no? Communication. But words can be a powerful way of breaking all communication. So, speak a wrong word, understand it wrongly, than what is intended and things break down. So that's how we have to approach in all humility. Uh, let me make it very clear, none can understand Shurabindo or speak about Shurabindo. Yet, only that can be known, what he makes us know and what he makes us speak. So that, that's how we should approach it. <laughs> of course, we have that, So Janahi Jin Ram Janahi. And we read yesterday from the Kena Upanishad that there the speech reaches not, but that from which speech is born. So speech, Upanishads have emerged from a, uh, not a zone or plane, but the infinite silence. And they have used the medium of words. These words enrich the silence. They don't obfuscate it. Often, this is what yesterday I was saying, that when, during my MBBS days, uh, I used to be fond of all these extracurricular readings, especially spiritual books, and Upanishads, whatever I read, I felt it is obfuscating. I don't even want to take the names. It was like dry as sawdust. It is not taking me to what the Upanishads claim truth is. Truth is supreme harmony and delight. Raso Vaisaha. That's how they describe the divine. The Kena Upanishad, how does it describe? The Atri Upanishad, how does it describe? It's, it's the Atri Upanishad, how does it describe? It says, verily he is delight. Raso Vaisaha. Whereas, when we read many of these bhasyas and commentaries, we, we lose <laughs> whatever little delight we have. It looks so stainless, oh my God. It is so difficult. So it should not be like that. So we are in the presence of that which is delight embodied. It should the path of yoga, uh, as the Gita puts it, is uh, is done with a glad and not a despondent heart. So when we read anything of Shirobindo and the Mother, it should not be Oh my God, abhi ye samajna hoga. 
Oh, how to understand? It's not our job to understand. There is somebody who overstands us. <laughs> he will make us understand. Sit at the feet of the master and understanding come. That's what Upanishad is about. Sitting at the feet of the master and entering into the heart of inner knowledge. The word means this, literally. So when understand, when we stand under the sun, we bask in the light, we bathe in its joy and everything blossoms. So this is how one should read Shurabinda and the mother and with the heart of a seeker. Not with the heart of a university student who has to appear for an exam. <laughs> the divine takes no exams. He is the only person who takes no exams. People keep saying, Bhagawan ka test, Bhagawan ka test. Why he takes no exams? Because he has become our self. See, so many truths emerge from these fundamental facts. If he has become our self, does he need to test us? You need to test somebody else whom you don't know. You don't know your student. How is he? So you want to test. Frankly, even there it should not be necessary. If one year you have taught a person and you don't know what the person is, then you have done bad job. You don't need to take a test. You know. And from the divine point of view, he who has become all this. Imagine asking Vyas. Okay. Uh, you know, asking Vyas that, why don't you test Dushashan to see how bad he is? <laughs> Vyas will say, you people can interpret, but I have put life into this character. I know very well what Dushashan is. You don't need to tell me. So, test in this world is done by all kinds of forces. There are forces which are living in ignorance. The divine does not test. He has become all this that is. This is the great teaching of the Upanishad. This alone liberates us, even if we can carry this one word. All that, this that is, is Brahman. There is nothing else but Brahman. And then yes, all the thoughts come in the mind. If that is so, what is evil, what is suffering? So, in this Upanishad, uh, Shirvind Upanishad, we will see the um, final answer. I use the word final answer because Vedanta Upanishadic writings have been interpreted unfortunately in an otherworldly sense. That's not how it has to be interpreted. The Vedanta doesn't, if you read Upanishads very clear, they are as much this worldly. They are not discarding anything, they are putting everything in its own place. Like a soldier who is fighting for um, for the nation doesn't discard his family. He says, no, no, I now this is not my family. He has his family and he knows that here, yes, there is a greater truth. So the Upanishads create first a gradation of truth through the gradation of the worlds. This is something which in the West we don't know. Uh, all these talks anyways will come on YouTube. So they can be heard at any point of time on Aroma, some point. I don't know when, but yes. So, uh, basically, between material world and the divine, in its utter purity, all this is the divine, but in its complete splendor, it's like, I flow in my writings, but in a mood, which may be, you know, sullen mood. People, as Shirobindra says, the Almighty experiences everything. So, in a sullen mood, I write a poem. And you say, Sir, this shows who you are, I'll say no, wait. <laughs> In a delightful mood, I write another poem. So somebody says, sir, this is what you are, I'll say no. Then I am in a state of seeking and I write a poem. 
Sir, you are a seeker, wait. Then when I am filled with that truth and that joy, and I want to express what I am experiencing, I write a poem. Now, all these I am, but I am none of these. Is this a wrong statement? I am all of these. I can't deny it. Something of me has gone into it. At the same time, if you try to catch me and define me by any of the poem or all the poems, you have missed that there is something which is not yet written, maybe which can never be written, words are inadequate. Isn't it so? That's all Upanishad is saying. <laughs> Nothing. It is so simple. Everyday life, this is the truth of our own being. So all this creation, all this that is, is the Brahman. But don't make the mistake of thinking this alone is Brahman. See, that's how the Gita puts it very interestingly. I am in all this that is. But the moment you take the reverse logic, I am Brahman, but if I say I alone am Brahman, I am creating a problem. <laughs> so that's why it corrects that notion, all this that is, is Brahman. Meaning thereby that reality. And what is the name of this reality? Brahman. That which increases. So it's not static. This one single thing I have seen. So useful in psychological practice. In understanding human beings. Don't we remain stuck 20 years back. This person. Are, I know him. I know her. You know 20 years back. Are, that person is evolved. The Buddha is said to have spoken about someone who came... Um, and got angry and Buddha remained quiet, didn't uh, respond anything, then he went away because this is the best defense. <coughs> Everybody knows who have a home. Best defense is stay quiet. <laughs> so, <laughs> he went away but then he felt bad. So next day he comes, he says, I am very sorry. He says, for what? He said, I am the one who insulted you so much yesterday. He said, but you are not the one who is there today. So, Brahman, Brahman, that which is growing, evolving. In the Indian thought, everything is evolving toward that great, by that mighty current. This, these were the words of Swami Vivekananda which shook the whole Western model. Nobody is damned or condemned into eternal hell. Everything is moving forward with that mighty current which is carrying the smallest of the atoms, the, the helpless reed on the ocean. Everything is moving further and further. Yes, it moves through a cycle of death and rebirth because the forms get destroyed. The forms cannot take that kind of impulse. But the spirit keeps growing, growing, growing. It, it takes new forms to manifest itself better and better. So this is how it is and we can, um, uh, you know, talk about the poetry itself. So a poet writing a poem, uh, I mean, I, I, I remember when I read some of my poems, at 14 years of age, 12 years of age, I can't fully connect, but I can't disown them. I can't say that I have not written this. But what you write much later, so everything is moving forward, everything is widening, expanding, universe itself. The manifest outer Brahman is widening in ever widening circle. We don't know it's distant and still counting further and further. So this is where Sri wants to take us. And this writing 
Shirobindo didn't name it Shirobind Upanishad. Well, I don't think any of the rishis ever named it as somebody's Upanishad. So to that extent, it's fine. This is a writing written before the days of the Arya. Arya started in 1914. So this is before the Arya. Very power-packed. Gives in a sense the highest truth that we wish to know. Um, I I'll read maybe a passage or two in Sanskrit, but I'll mainly focus on the English. Um, one reason is the paucity of time, because if I have to read everything in Sanskrit, it'll need a lot of time. But just to get the music of it, and also how easy is Sanskrit. Just for that. So first, I'll read as it flows. <clears throat> Just one passage I'll read in Sanskrit. You may take out the page or may not, because you'll see the ear will connect automatically. Om ekameva dvitiyam brahma sad sad rupam sad sad titam. Nanyata kinchadasti trikala dhritam trikala titam Vasaravantu khalu brahmaikam Yat kincha jagatyamanu Va mahadvodaram Va anudaram Va brahmaiva tadabrahmaiva Jagatapi brahmasatyam namithya This is for the poetry of it. And when you read Sanskrit, it is such a lilting language. Agniriyathaiko bhunam pravishto rupam rupam pratirupo babhuva eko vashi sarva bhutantaratma rupam rupam pratirupo bahishto. Just imagine. Tadejati tanejati tadure taduvantike tadantarasya sarvasya yadu sarvasya asya bahiyat. Just forget the meaning. Just see the music in Sanskrit. I am not a Sanskrit expert, so I won't dwell much on it. But this is just to what damage was done to India when we left Sanskrit. It was done when? From the Mughals' time when Persian became the official language. They were brilliant minds. But because Persian was the official language, these brilliant minds were sidelined. If you read some of their works, it's some amazing. Then this was perpetuated and still continues. The Britishers, English. So, there are words in Sanskrit which can never be translated in English. And one such word we read yesterday, um, uh, dharma. Dharma is nothing to do with religion. Dharma has little to do with rituals. Dharma means that which holds you. Because Sanskrit has maintained its root. English has lost its Latin roots. Dharma. Dra, dharan, dharti, dhori, dharana, dharati, dharyati. All relate to holding. That which holds us is dharma. And that which we must hold is dharma. Just imagine, it changes the entire perspective. But dharma, put it as religion. Hindu dharma, <laughs> Christian dharma. Okay, religion, you use the word religion. We don't care, it's okay, you have a right to. If you are not rich in your understanding, what can we do? But it's uh, sad that we lose that richness. So, this continues till date. But just imagine. And now, this was only the one passage reading. I won't read more. It's lilting music. 
<coughs> now see the meaning. So I'll read it. Now in Sanskrit you can combine the words. Sad sad sitam. Like yada yada hi dharmasya glani bhavati bharata abhyutthanam dharmasya. Now a has become quiet. Abhyutthanam dharmasya tadat manshijamaham. So in Sanskrit because we can join. So now read the anvay. Just a little break up. And see if anything is unclear. There is no need to read the Sanskrit. <clears throat> Om Ekam Eva Advitiyam Brahma Sat Asat Rupam When you read combined it is Sad Sad Rupam Sat Asat Atitam Sad Sad Titam Anyata Kinchit Na Asti Anyata Kinchit Na Asti Trikal Dhritam Trikal Atitam Va Sarva Tukhalu Ekam Brahma Jagatyam Yat Kincha Anu Va Mahatva Udarava Anudarava Tat Brahma Eva Brahma Eva The smallest and the largest Anu The Udar and the Anudar The meanest and the most You know that which is radiating everything around Tat Brahma Eva Brahma Eva, emphasis. Jagat Api Brahma. This world is, I am adding God manifesting in outwardness, is the body of the Lord. And then this powerful thing Jagat Api Brahma Satyam Namithya. So Shirobindu sets the record straight. Because unfortunately Upanishads have come to be regarded as otherworldly Thanks to some great beings Whether they were misunderstood What they wrote Now this is not the subject of discussion That can be That's subject to debate The point is in India This idea came at some point of time This that this is Mithya And that is Satya This means now logically At least I used to feel as a youngster This logically an untenable hypothesis because that means there are two origins now you say it is illusion because of maya so how maya came into existence trust me in the traditional Vedantic literature there is no explanation of how maya came into existence not one single explanation how maya came into existence so already we had one yeah, undefinable, ineffable, now we have another. And how come Brahman is overpowered? I am just putting, what are the questions? Brahman is got overpowered by Maya. You will say, no, no, he is not overpowered. You are experiencing. So who am I? It's, a, it's an illusion, it's an ego. So then my logical question, at least my logical question was, then who is getting liberated, sir? If I am only the ego, there is no individual soul within me. Of course, there is a line which brings in, but most staunch Advaita. Ultimately, the individual soul is also a 
It's like a thin line on ocean which will drown in it. So who gets liberated? If I have no reality other than the ego, who gets reborn? Certainly not the ego. Certainly not this ephemeral personality. And if there is nothing but the ego, then what is the whole effort of this sadhana? There is Brahman playing with himself and it will collapse, it will rise up again like mighty waves, tsunami. What has the drop to do? It is rising with the wave, it will collapse. That's the end of the story. Ego doesn't survive beyond one lifetime. So where does Sri Krishna speak about that which comes again and again? So we must understand there are two lines of thought in Indian uh, spiritual thinking. One which believes in the, takes its stand on the multiplicity, multiplicity of the souls. Sri Krishna and Sri Aurobindo belong to that. And there is a line which doesn't accept the ultimate reality of the soul. It is, it is like a, itself, not, if not phenomenal, more a pratiti. And it has to be dissolved back. Now why Sri Aurobindo gives a logical argument in the life divine in great detail? About the individuality. Because the divine is expressing himself in these three terms. One is the transcendent, atitam, beyond everything. Second is the cosmos. And third is the individual. So that's why Ekoham Bahushyam makes a logic. Otherwise yoga, sadhana has no meaning. If there is only the transcendent and the universal, we are really a seeming. Then... Like many people say, it's okay, you have got a life, live it any which way. There is no reality of you, this sense itself is an illusion. So Sri Aurobindo and Sri Krishna, that behind this surface, ego, there is a deeper spiritual reality which comes through the cycle of birth and death, grows through it. And that is what is hinted in the Isha, brought more clearly in Kathopanishad. That Angusht Matra Purusha which is seated in the heart and Svetashutar which speaks about Antaha Sharire Jyotir Mayohi Shubra and the Dvasuparna that there is that aspect of our spiritual being, individual being which is caught in the play. It suffers and struggles but we ourselves have another which is the same bird. But two poises, where it enjoys without being trapped into the play, the two birds. So these are the great truths which Shri wants to bring forward. He did it through his commentaries on the Isha Upanishad, on Secret of the Vedas. But then, you know, it is always, because there is something else new which he brings. So he brings it in the form of an Upanishad in its own right. Now we will read the English translation alone. For those who want to read, it's on page 23. Om. There is Brahman alone, one without a second. This phrase is very liberating. It is not an intellectual thought. There is Brahman alone. The one without a second. That means all that I see and experience. In its core, there is the divine. This knowledge should not confuse us by saying, Oh, that means everybody I have to embrace, everybody. No. 
It is to understand, see how it can be liberating. Even you are in the face of danger, you have to do what you need to do. But you must know that the divine is present even in the mask and garb of all those who stand before me. He is present. There is a doctor whose patients used to respond very well. And one of his students asked him that you you are doing the writing the same medicines. What is the difference? He said very simple. When I take a round, I stand before a patient and I say, Hey Sachidanand Brahm. Why are you wearing this mask? <laughs> this is not befitting you. That's why we must take care of the body and the transformation. Why? Because this is his temple. It's not a good temple. It decays, degenerates, breaks down and it's filled with... That's why transformation, not for individual aggrandization. We should have a beautiful temple. It is a temple of the Lord, no doubt. But it is his temple. He has put himself into it. So, the individual soul must work towards making it worthy. Being and non-being are its forms. And it is also beyond being and non-being. That yesterday we spoke about. So, Sachidanand, Yes, it is the same truth. But the Rishis wanted to know what is beyond it. So beyond is a way of saying because space and time are not. So there is non-being. Why it is non-being? There is no definition, positive or negative, by which you can define it. So that's why it is non-being. It doesn't mean it's non-existent reality. Can't define. Beyond all all definitions. And then that which is still beyond from which it has come, of which none can know but one can dissolve into it. So yesterday we spoke about that. There is nothing else except that. All that is contained in the three times and all that is beyond the three times is indeed that one Brahman alone. Trikala dhritam, trikala titam. So he knows all the three times. So where does this theory come that, you know, as you sow, you are going to reap? Something he knows already. There is our destiny in its highest term is there. We are playing a fixed match. But we don't know it is fixed. (laughs) Somebody has fixed it for us and very beautifully fixed. So when we go through the fluctuations as life would come and why it is there, that also he will explain and what is the way out. All this will come here. But this we must remember, this world and myself, we are all moving towards a grand divine consummation. It's foreseen. He is delight. So the end cannot be but delight. Logic. Some people believe this world is going to end horribly. I I tell them that you are making God into a monster. (laughs) There is a passage. You have a movie in which there is a Villain, villain initially beats the hero, then finally hero has the last say. See the whole movie, don't get up halfway through. So picture abhi baki hai. He has already foreseen, mapped out all the three times, present, past, present, future. He knows, he knows everything in us. And we too can know. It is not just by identifying with him or by joining that thread which is connected with him, we too can know about our own individually 
past, present and future. We can know it. So that's how it is. Whatever is in the universe, small or large, noble or mean, is Brahman alone, Brahman alone. The world is also Brahman. It is true, not false. How does it help us? Everything helps us, of course, even as I said, meditating upon these lines. Samam Brahman. Shobinda puts it very beautifully in one of his poems. <clears throat> in the blue of the sky, in the green of the forest, whose is the hand that has painted the glow? When the winds were asleep in the womb of the ether, who was it roused them and bade them to blow? He is lost in the heart, in the cavern of nature. He is found in the brain where he builds up the thought. And then he goes on, in the blush of a girl, in, in the strength of a man, in the beauty of woman. See, this same truth is explained by Sri Krishna in Vibhuti Yoga. And he says, ultimately, wherever you see anything which is um, something uh, amazing, that's his manifestation. What about other? Shobindu brings that element also, and so beautifully. The hand that sent Jupiter spinning through heaven, spends all its cunning to fashion a girl. It doesn't say this is insignificant. Meaning thereby, when we are doing a work, practical thing from that. Should we do it because it's a big work, I will do only big work. You give me a table and chair and some files where I have to sign. That, that is the work. But don't give me menial work. And see, that is how when yogis realize this and that is the story. When Mirabai went to Raidas, he is a cobbler. And he says, are you sure you want to learn from me? She says, yes. Or another example which is uh, so interesting. Uh, Bulesha, he belongs to the family of Prophet Muhammad. And so he is a Sayyid. He is not supposed to, you know, he is supposed to know what he says. All this is book knowledge. I want to know. I want to realize. So he discovered that there is um, a yogi who can... Yogi means mystic who can give me the knowledge. But he is a farmer, he is doing farming. So his family members say, we'll pay money, reach people, he'll come and teach you. He says, no, that's not the way. So he goes and asks him, give me the true knowledge. And this man, what does he do? He doesn't pay attention. And he continues with his work. He says, give me true knowledge. He waits till evening. At the end he says, are you a fool? Don't you see what I am doing? He says, what you are doing? You are taking things from here, putting something there. He says, that's all. Pick your threads of consciousness from here and put it there. <laughs> of course, the Upanishad is going one step further. Here and there in everything, see that. So whatever we see, whomever we interact, we have to see God is walking into our office. It is God whom I am going to serve in the hospital. It is God who is there as the old man. It is God who is running about as a child. This is a meditation given beautifully in... Um, see, I'll tell you the collected works, SABCL even, I'll tell you the page. It is, I think, page 475. Yes, in the new one, collected works of Sri in that Isha Upanishad volume, it is there on page 412. Otherwise, you can Google search. 
look upward to the sun. So he takes us in through a meditation where he says, look into the sun, where is that source of light? And then in the stars, then he says, no, no, he is near us. And then he says, you know, look at this, yonder this old man passing by you, look at this little child. All this is the divine. And he says, he is nearer, he is in you. He is with you, he is in you. And he says, within us there dwells this Brahman. And when we carry this, we'll have no fear, no grief ever. It's very powerful. It's to be read. So the sum and substance of this is, the world is also Brahman. It is true, not false. So this idea should go away that, you know, world is something else and God is something else. Many people say that, you know, we have no time to realize the divine because we are busy with worldly life. Realize him there. What is there? You don't have to sit in a kind of isolated meditation to realize God. Simply have this orientation that all is the divine. When we meet somebody, when we are doing a work, it should become worship. All these are practical implications which flow from this great truth. Everything is a worship. Handling the smallest things, sweeping the floor, shabri ki sadhana. If shabri were to write a philosophical work, she would have said, see, if people had to turn Shabri's yoga into a religion, so they will say every day morning you must get up, take a bath, clean your floor, huh? impeccably, <laughs> and bring the plums from the tree, eat them half, keep it in the basket. Do it for 35 years, you will have a revelation of God. Fool! <laughs> this is not Sabri. Sabri is just waiting for the Lord and whoever is coming by, she is asking, have you seen Rama? Have you met? And they told her, you are a fool. You really seriously believe they are kings, they are going to come to your hut and you believe he is a, some god or something? This is the great teaching which is so liberating, so universal in its application. If all is God, then every action is worship. It doesn't matter where I am, what I am doing. That alone is the transcendent being beyond all the three times. So now he's describing the transcendent being. So there are people who have entered into one or the other aspect of the divine and taken that to be the ultimate. Shravindra is saying, no, when you take that as the, as the ultimate, you are cutting off all the rest. This is the problem. That I see him as, you know, uh, being, then I say all else is not true. Then I see him only as non-being, all else is not true. Transcendent of the Buddha, then all this sansar is. So this is why he is bringing the integral reality. Divine is that and he is all this also. So he is saying that alone is the transcendent being, beyond all the three times, beyond all the worlds, penetrating all the worlds, beyond being, beyond Non-being, all-being, all-consciousness, all-bliss without beginning and end, the eternal divine. Again, we can take the example how he is beyond and yet he is penetrating. I make a dish. I mean, I don't know, but let's say, imagine somebody makes in the kitchen a dish and you eat it. So, you can say that it's not, obviously you are not eating your mother, it will sound very grotesque. But if somebody says, Main ko hi grahan kar 
Is it wrong? Whose love has gone into it? So she she has entered into it, penetrated into it, and yet she is transcendent. The food has a beginning and the food has an end, but she has, I mean, she is not limited to the food. She is, of course, I am taking an analogy of a human being. So same way the divine is transcendent and take the world as a cosmic poem and each of us as a song or a hymn or a reek of that poem. Take this world as an epic that he is writing, not yet finished and each of us has to fit in the right place in that epic. See, when you write an epic, you can't change letters and words here and there, they lose the meaning. So we have to find our right place in that grand epic. First we have to shape ourselves. Chisel ourselves so that we become the perfect word. That's why speech was given so much importance in this ancient... That's why losing Sanskrit, it was a kind of decline for India. And people knew where to attack, where to hit. So otherwise, because speech, it was a development through millenniums, a language which was perfected, whose every word, every sound... Suggested something very profound. So, he is beyond all this and yet he penetrates into all things. Just as the mother penetrates herself into the food, just as a poet penetrates himself into the poetry and yet is beyond, same way the divine is in all this. He is without quality. And supports all qualities. This is very simple to understand. Actually, everywhere in this creation we will see this. Formlessness and form, nirgun and guna. So, what is a rose, for example? We describe by qualities. So, Shubhinda says something very beautiful. You cannot understand the secret of the lotus by analyzing the mud. You have to understand it by the archetype that blooms in the heaven. So there is a lotus which we try to understand by qualities. That's how we do it. But there is a lotus which is found at the apex crown of the beyond the head. What is that lotus? How do you describe it? What is its smell? What is its color? What is its odor? What is its form? You can even say that people, those sometimes without the experience of Kundalini, they make all this uh, thousand petals. But what it means? It, it describes that state where a thousand rays of suns are unyoked into creation. That's what the Sahasrara is. You can't limit it to anything. Ultimately, you have to go even beyond it. So this is how he is saying that he is without quality and supports all qualities. This is the sun. Sun is a symbol. And we pray to the sun. We pray to the sun and through the sun we are praying to the divine being. So divine being has manifested in this universe himself symbolically as a sun. What is a symbol? Now everybody knows because we are using computers. Isn't it? Icons. We are clicking. Some words are so, uh, I mean, uh, travesty actually. Avatar. No? Computer language. 
don't know what is called an avatar in computer language. You click on, you say Windows. Is he a window? You will see even it is shaped like a window. So what is it? Why it is called a window? Because it is opening you to something else which is wider. See how we can get stuck to the form or we can go to the essence. What is any window for that matter? That which opens us to the universe. Open the windows of the mind. So every window is a reminder in a way of something which is profound. At every level it exists. It exists spiritually, it exists materially, it exists physically, it exists psychologically, it exists emotionally. Open the window of your heart. It exists in the computer. We use the term window. So that's how every form derives something, some reality of him. Something of his it reflects or you know there is a way to read this entire universe in that way. And that is why Indian civilization was built around that even marriage. It was supposed to be marriage between heaven and earth. So the husband thought I am heavenly. It didn't mean like that. But if you see even today, men are generally ideative and speculative. They will like to sit on the chair and talk about Iraq, Iran, not no, Iraq is nowhere. Iran politics and no, everybody is laughing, smiling. And what is the wife doing? She is cooking at the home, preparing things. And she is take, doing the seva, without which this man won't be able to stand even on two feet. Isn't it so? Heaven, moving, but earth, pada byam prithvi. You don't base yourself on it, that is how the Katupanishad says. It is the swan whose one leg is on earth and the other in the sky. If it picks up from the earth, it will vanish. It won't even exist. That is the story in even Shippuran, Shiva and Parvati. So they saw everything as a symbol, Purush and Prakriti. That's how they have, but they are both equal around the central fire from which both emerge, in which both are united. And I could go on this whole universe. So Indian mind caught that. And so it gives argh to the sun. And some very materialistic person will say, Oh, you are primitive thinking. Then some equally absurd explanation will be given. No, 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 no. You see, this is water is getting evaporated and going to the sun. Now, this is not required. <laughs> when we do Anjali water and take a pratigya. What does it mean? So this this entire symbolic system which we have woven. Why water? Why sun? So all this we realize that these are symbols of something deeper. And that something deeper has created these symbols. So this is why Ajat Shatru story, Ajat Shatru and Balaki. He has qualities, infinite qualities. There is no end to it. In In the Gita, Sri Krishna says, Look Arjun, I have named you some, but if I were to name, there will be no end of the vibhutis, infinite qualities and enjoys the state of being without quality. Everybody has a side where he says, ah, I wish, no work, nothing. I am no more a doctor, no more this, I am just alone, sitting with myself. All qualities are absorbed. So he enjoys that state without qualities. Why wouldn't he? Qualities are manifestation. 
When I act, when I speak, you see some quality or the other. But I exist even if I do none of these. And that is a supreme enjoyment. So he enjoys. He transcends, he himself transcends the state of being without qualities and the state of being with qualities. Now comes that, that both he transcends. He is neither, uh, he is nirgun, he is gun and he transcends both nirgun and sagun. With qualities and without qualities, he transcends. He is neither without quality nor with quality because he is one and single. Now that state you can't even say. So at one point he is saying he is both and he transcends. So why is he saying that? Because there is a conception of absolute. So this absolute, there are two ways of understanding absolute Brahman, Parabrahman. In, in the uh, Western metaphysics, it's called as absolute. So there are two ways of understanding absolute. Absolute is relative to somebody. You see, the head of a state has an absolute power. What does it mean? Everybody has a power, but his power is absolute. He can overrule everybody. But there is an absolute which is self-existent. With regard to the divine, that which was before creation, before manifestation, before anything. So, Parabrahman itself, as we said yesterday, one is Abhyakt. And the other is beyond, as Sri Krishna says, Vyaktoham Avyaktoham. And he is beyond, yet beyond. So, there is the absolute which is in reference to Sagun, Nirgun, beyond. And there is an absolute which is none of these things. So this is a way of describing something which thus alone can be described in a beautiful way. Why? Because he is one and single. That it starts, creation starts from there. All this, nothing has really manifested. It is there, inside is a potential. <clears throat> he is beyond the worlds, yet he holds the worlds. So what are these worlds? These worlds are like steps from the base matter climbing to the beyond, plunging into infinity. You can't see where it ends. And there are others which are below. So the Upanishads and Vedas, they speak about the seven worlds primarily. And there are many, many, many worlds. So they are the three lower worlds which is matter, physical world, vital world, pran jagat and the manome world, the mental world. And then there are four upper worlds which are supramental, the mahar lok. Then there is anand lok, chidgan lok and the sat lok. But these are the worlds, three lower, four upper. But he from whom these worlds have emerged and in whom they are established, he is still beyond. Yet, because of him, these worlds are. That's why we see in some of these Puranas, at each level, particularly in the Tantra, uh, Dash Mahavidyas and others, at each level you will see an aspect of the Divine manifesting and expressing itself. At the highest is Siddhidatri, giver of all perfection. And then, right at the base she is Shail Bala, the daughter of the mountains, hidden in matter as the tremendous power which is waiting to emerge. 
course i know the story is narrated in a story form but see the journey from the base of matter shailabala coming through one chakra to another right up to siddhidatri at every level she is there and the divine as the purusha is there every level we have to just question of realizing that so he is beyond the worlds yet he holds the worlds he becomes the worlds and enters into them exactly just like as we said about a poet and a poem he transcends time becomes time infinite he shines as finite one he becomes many formless he assumes forms he achieves all this by his consciousness force which consists of knowledge and ignorance now he is coming to slowly from that one taking us further and further so he is <clears throat> he is beyond the worlds yet he holds the worlds what are these worlds these worlds are self limitations of the divine or self expression self manifestations of the divine so for example when a person who may be a phd and who is teaching uh, let's say physics in a postgraduate institution when he is teaching his son or his daughter does he tell her five year old daughter okay not daughter let me five year old daughter does he tell her look my child e is equal to mc square <laughs> he tells her he is ever present reality i mean i know what they teach is something else <laughs> he'll tell her d is not donkey d is divine <laughs> vitamin d that we all suffer from lack of because we have turned that d upside down and turned it into doubt distrust despair depression but it can be corrected by putting the d in the correct way d for divine so he t- he will tell her these things no he will not tell her e equals to mc square because she'll be lost the same father so the world of the father dealing with his five year old daughter is the same person is different from the world of the father teaching an eighth standard to his son who is in eighth standard the world of the same father taking a class on physics is different and the father is all of this and he is beyond even being a father brother anything we have these countless relations but we are not limited to that relation at least it's good that women are realizing this otherwise always they were somebody's daughter somebody's wife somebody's mummy but they exist no apart from this <laughs> who are they shakti eternal feminine now this is how the indian conception has been that all these are relations so he enters into these worlds and with each world he relates in a certain way in the world of the asura he goes and relates with them the way they understand he does not tell the asuras you know what you all should become very kind and compassionate the world will become a better place he goes to the world of the asura with a mace <laughs> and says sunte ho ki nahi sunte ho sudhar jao so that's the language you know because he has come to that point where so in each of them he enters but he is himself infinite and because every finite has in it the infinite asura rakshasa everybody can ultimately turn to him and an ambarish can become uh, realize freedom even ravan can realize god 
Prahlad is a daitya, but he has realized God. So because everybody, there is, these worlds at one level form a gradation, hierarchy. But there is a side door through which you can get double promotion, triple promotion, infinite promotion because you may be on the lowest stair, doesn't matter. That's story of that um, lady who was dancing in the king's court. Swami Vivekananda went and the Raja called her to dance and he felt odd, awkward and started going away. So what does that lady sing? Kotesan. She sings... Prabhuji more avguna chitna dharo, samudarshi hai naam tiharo. Kaya ko karo. Why are you going? Why are you discarding me? I may be the lowest of the lowly, yet if each finite has within it the infinite, then the lowest of lowly can realize. See, this is how our through stories you will see it interwoven. Ganika, Jamil, Vyad, Geed, Gajad, Khal, Tare, Gana. Read, no? About Ram Charitmanas. class hoti hai. What is the socialism of Rama? Ganika, Ajamil, Vyad, Geed, Gajad, Phal, Tare, Gana. Khal, Tare, Gana. Unko bhi. They, everybody has a choice and a door through which. So this is the intrinsic sense. Every finite. Don't read it with the, it's just finite. Yes, it is finite, but who has become the finite? Infinite has become. We read in the Kain Upanishad this story also. Formless and form. Why do people query? Quarrel. Everything has a formless part and it is a form. Each expression is a form. Love can take a form in the heart. Love can take a form in speech. Love can take a form in something written. It can take a form as a gesture. It need not be expressed in words. It can take a gesture. When you care for somebody, isn't it love? It can take many forms. And yet love exists even in the atom where there is no form. Why? Because love is the power that unites. What makes atoms come together and join? You can see it in the crystals. There is a whole study I am sure we all know. Japanese study where they photographed crystal and they saw that uh, if you keep telling the crystals you are bad, you are horrible, then they start showing fragmentation. And when you keep telling the crystals, you are beautiful, you are nice, you are lovely. They saw it was lovely, beautiful shapes. And when you along with that chant, Om, or a mantra, these crystals started as if they are like star, effulgent. Love is everywhere, expressed or unexpressed. And Obviously from that you have to go that there must be a source of love. What is that source of love? Then we will say that well love is a quality of the divine. He has put forth that quality to deal with this creation. If creation was not that love would have remained within him. Yet it would be there because it has emerged from him. So formless and form everywhere there is formless and the form. And in everything we will see this. So this idea that some fools started that no, no, gee, forms are all butparasti or you know, form is not God. They didn't get the secret. Of course we know that God is much greater than form. We know that that stone in Kedarnath, Shiva is not confined to that. But we also know that through the stone we can yet contact Shiva. See, this is how Indian thought has worked. And some people came and told us, no, 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 he is formless. 
Agreed. But he is also form. This is a beautiful poem of Shirobindo. He says, O worshipper of the formless infinite, reject not form, what dwells in form is he. Who dwells in the body? What is a form? Is the divine. So this created a big problem in Indian thought. It was overpowered by this gospel of formlessness, formlessness. So what happened? We started neglecting form. Again, ito maya hai ji. Ito jad hai. Ito murat hai. Ito bas ek pathar hai. Haan, thik hai. But wo pathar has now become an expression, a medium, a bridge to connect me with that which is beyond the pathar. So why not? After all, when people, uh, that's what I say, when people embrace each other, are they embracing the body? It will be so silly to say, your body is embracing his body or her body. They'll say, please don't destroy our joy. It's the person who is embracing the other person, is it not? But form is a medium. You can't say that, okay, in my imagination, one is embracing or in my, I'll do nothing but Take it that in formlessness. The joy of creation has been, that's why people who turn only towards formless, they start, you know, everything becomes a snare for them. Music, poetry, everything. Ye bhi band kar do, wo bhi band kar do. Because all forms, ultimately form to mind mein bhi form hai aapke. Forms to birth to chabi ki man mein hoti hai. Forms originate in the mind. Mind is the form maker. This is only the outer thing. So, they end up Ultimately, going beyond mind, but then the whole creation collapses. So they discard creation as either a chal or whatever it is. So this is why he is reminding us, setting the record straight. I don't know, this, okay, we have right time, I have seen the time. So just one more and then we can stop. So this one we'll just complete. He transcends time. How, how time is born and space is born, it all described in... Uh, Indian, uh, what shall I say, metaphysical thought or spiritual thought. So, Brahman is one. So, when he wants to manifest or he has the urge to manifest, they are all human languages, one has to look beyond the language. So, you want to make a house, beautiful house. What do you need first? Plot. Pahle to plot hona chahiye, hawa hawai rahega. The plot for divine there is no nothing else but he so where will he bring out the plot out of himself so what does he do he brings he brings out of himself to say like that matter in its original state ether ether is the original matter it is meant to express the divine and this ether expands, expands. It is the divine, but he is, you can take it that he is outer most. Out of himself he brings out like a radiation or whatever, ether. So nowadays we are talking about fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh state of matter. Ether theory was accepted at one point, it discarded now. Now we talk about internet. Ultimately we will go into etheric space. So as ether is expands, expands. But because he is infinite, it can expand indefinitely. That's why you will see no limit. Sometimes a beautiful meditation, mind-boggling meditation literally. Awesome meditation. Just think, 
that space is expanding where is it expanding into space is expanding but where is it expanding into because by expansion it becomes space but where is it expanding into what are the limits of that expansion where the stars have not yet gone so you'll think of boundless space you can't put a boundary to it how does time comes time comes as this etheric extension starts rippling time is always you know you can take it that when there is movement there is time and there is no movement there is no time so movement starts sound nad yesterday someone was asking about it so movement starts om the word that is flesh that becomes flesh the vibration the stir so as movement begins shob there are different ways people have said time begins it's simultaneous process let's put it like that so space and time who has become space and time brahman has become space and time and at the same time he can he is above because he is before space and time at the same time he is in, into space and time and they are not one space and time in each world there is a different space and time just to mention in the passing don't we experience when we are depressed or when we are waiting eagerly for someone or when we are happy time begins to change you know so similarly there are worlds where a moment seems like eternity the dark sunless worlds where one gets locked there then every day is heavy my god and in the world of brahma eternity eternity is a way of saying thousands of years are one moment flown past so if there are worlds each with its own time space domain so there is not just one space time but yes original space time and then many many each of the level as creation descends there are space time continuum in all of them he has entered he transcends time becomes time infinite he shines as finite because through his ray everything becomes lit and the eyes receive it one he becomes many eko ham bahushyam formless he assumes forms he achieves all this by his consciousness force how does he do all this because he is not just existence yesterday we spoke about it he is not just sat he is also chit tapas that power is not somewhere else maya it is the divine's maya consciousness force is vidyamayi maya that shakti within him that becomes vidyamayi and avidyamayi that shakti within him that impels urges him so shobindo brings back to unity the division between purusha and prakriti creation and maya and brahman and the world and god he says no it is his how does he do it how does he enter into finite how does he create the worlds very simple mother was asked this question mother how did you uh, you are the mother so how did you build the worlds she is very simple when the divine decided to build the worlds he brought his knowledge and force out of himself that is what i am that is called consciousness it is omniscience it is omnipotence he is omnipresent 
and she is omniscient and omnipotent. So wherever he is, he will be there. It's the one consciousness. That's what Mother keeps reminding. The two who are one and play in many worlds in knowledge and ignorance, they have spoken and met. And she operates in two modes. One is knowledge, vidyamai, where you completely are in contact with the one, and avidyamai, that we have already discussed at length, where you forget that ultimately there is the one. But there is a purpose in that. So, how does he create the worlds? He reveals it, he assumes forms, he achieves all this. There is no assistant to help him out. He achieves all this by his consciousness force, which consists of knowledge and ignorance. So, and this, so, but that consciousness force is beyond knowledge and ignorance. We must not forget that. That Shakti is beyond, it can use any of these. So basically we will stop here and for us that consciousness force is mother.